Today, I'm joined by one of our partners, Fernando Gomez Baquero and Dr. Yasmin Van Wilt, the founder of Neural Positive. Fernando, welcome back. How are you? Thank you. I'm doing great, Larry. Yeah. And yeah, how's thank Cornell? Thank you for having me. Cornell is wonderful. Good. Yes, yeah, always growing. And I believe you have the most amount of applications for the Runway Programme. Yes, this Great. year had the most amount of applications Fantastic. and we are yes. thrilled about it. Yes, probably because of the podcast, I'm sure, but never Absolutely. mind. Absolutely. I'm going to call you Yas because I know you as Yas. Yes, yes, it's great to have you. I almost you. snort laughed when you said it's, that. <laughs> it's great to have you on the show today. Can you give us some of your background and your journey? So I started on this trajectory towards being an entrepreneur from a potentially unconventional starting point. Okay. Uh, it wasn't obvious necessarily to me, although it probably was to everyone who knew me growing up, that I was constantly trying to solve problems. And uh, music had been a part of my life very early on. Right. And so had computing. First, I was tinkering with hardware and making things. And then I started to branch out into other areas. And What age? From music or from what? Both. Oh, so, gosh. Um, music four, three, four. Okay. Um, I was working with solar panels and soldering at maybe six. Wow. We've got nothing in common. But go on. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know how to put a record on, record on at that age. Sorry. You're such a charmer. Sorry. No, 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 no. <laughs> So sometimes there are problems that haunt you, and I think those haunting kinds of problems are the ones that you have yourself, um, that you don't have a plausible or obvious solution for. So for me, it was something that I could use to focus and to regulate my attention and to tune out loud noises and, um, most importantly, to recognize emotion in myself and emotion in others and to be comfortable in front of people and around people. Right. So music became a vehicle for transforming my life. Okay. And through that, I took an academic trajectory and then I was at Columbia thanks to funding. And then I met Fernando and meeting Fernando was a pivotal turning point in my life. So I'm forever grateful. He's, I consider him a mentor and a friend. And for many others too. And I missed his face. So it's so <laughs> nice to see him. And here that. we are. Yeah. Okay, great. Fernando, I know you have a lot of people applying to you and don't want to put you in a difficult position. Well, I do a bit. What was so special about why did she get a, a, a place? You know, what was so special <laughs> for that Yes, she be chosen? One of the things that I love in entrepreneurship is people that are able to mix things that we think they should not mix but they mix quite well. And in the case of uh, jazz, the, the case was music and computer science. Right. It makes a lot of sense to me, right. but I've never heard that before. Right. And all of a sudden I was saying, look, there's this person that can navigate both worlds and combine them in extremely interesting ways. And not just that, she wants to do it to solve a humongous problem, which is mental health. Mm -hmm. Right. And then it becomes a no brainer. But definitely is the combination of things 
to solve a huge problem. And you immediately see it, you know, once once I met her, it was it was so obvious that there was something there. And at the end of the day, it doesn't need to be for everybody that applies, it doesn't need to be exactly what they think of right now. Projects evolved. Yes. And so we don't know exactly what's going to happen, but what we like is people that have that combination of skills that are willing to try it and that are resilient enough to go through the journey. Okay, that, that's really interesting and good compliment to you as well. Can you tell us about your market? Who's your target market? How big is it? What's the potential? Absolutely. Well, it's a $90 billion market. Unfortunately, we are currently at the precipice of what is a second silent epidemic. Oh. And that is one in which our emotional fitness, our emotional wellness... Yeah. is in grave danger. And most of us could examine our own lives and find the biomarkers or the moments that have a biological identif- identifier in one can, way or can another. Can you explain biomarker a little bit for me? <laughs> yes, exactly. I mean, uh, now we almost uh, all know someone who has a wearable watch, a smartwatch. And a smartwatch gives us an incredible amount of data yeah. on the relationship between where we are, what we do, and how we're doing. Can you explain that a bit more? You mean like it tells me about my heart rate? It does. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Your so. fitness, your sleep. Yes. All of these pieces of data give us a mirror into which we can see ourselves. And looking at this from a public health perspective, it's concerning. So the intersection of wellness, wearables, fitness, mental health is is $90 billion, which is fairly enormous by most standards. Relating to what is our business, what are we doing, and how are we trying to approach things? My ultimate aim, and uh, we have spoken expensively with insurance companies, pharma. We do actually have a forthcoming study with a major pharmaceutical company, Um, and a number of studies with hospitals for different indications. Um, Insurance companies want to reduce years lived with disability and economic burden. So, yes, they want potentially to improve the lives of patients. I think that's actually relatively irrelevant. Um, it comes down to an economic imperative, which yeah. is, I mean, we, we live in a, in a capitalist society, so it's, it's better to understand how things operate rather than to approach them naively. Insurance companies need to make money, and they want to expend the least amount of money possible per Patient. subscriber. Yeah. So anything that has the capacity to reduce expenditure has the potential, if it's validated at scale, to be reimbursable. Right. So my conversations with, uh, I spoke last week, for example, with the CMO of Humana, um, who is actually a Cornell alum and a lovely person. And um, he echoed the sentiments of a number of other people I've spoken with, which is that there's an increasing desire, increasing willingness to embrace preventative solutions that if they can be proven at scale and there have to be 
many data collected, yeah. has to be robust, has to be rigorously tested, and it has to be uh, replicable and sound, even if it isn't done through an FDA approval pipeline, if you don't have those data, you simply are not going to ultimately achieve reimbursability. Right. Yes, listening to music often makes people in touch with themselves. Um, you were diagnosed at an early age with autism. And that, that, label, that label often alarms a lot of people. Yet here you are, a very successful academic, a musician, a businesswoman. How have you utilised something that is often described as a deficit and turned it into something positive? And, and it's very important, I think, for our audience who, you know, we don't really know enough about autism and that label sometimes has an, you know, has a, an adverse effect. What's your take on that? And how can you help us understand it better? So I'll start from the beginning. Okay. In the three parts there. Music helps get us in touch with ourselves. That's a very interesting statement. I think it does. And at the same time, not all types of music are equal. And music doesn't work the same way for everyone. And the type of music you need to listen to at different times is quite different. Right. And so this is what I discovered as I was navigating the terrain of being autistic. So uh, as a young child, I would sit in a room of my peers and have absolutely no idea what they were thinking or feeling. So I was very socially awkward and consequently very shy. And I would much prefer working on hardware or creating things wow. or playing music than I would interact with others, yes. which um, as an adult who's actually quite outgoing, that's probably shocking. But I had to observe other people and play music and create this kind of iterative method of examining emotion in order to interact with people in kind of a normal way. Wow. I, it was totally unintuitive to me. Yes. And autism, I think, is complex for many reasons. I certainly don't see it as a deficit. I think if different types of neuro frameworks, different types of wiring systems that didn't exist, we wouldn't have many of the technologies in this room that are facilitating our ability to communicate with each other here and now, the light bulb, the microphone, electricity broadly. Is that because... Because? Because there are some of us who are simply not programmed the way that other people are. And if it wasn't a superpower, it would have probably not continued to exist. So, I mean, this is this is a bit, you know, it's a somewhat of a spurious statement, but um, I, you only need to look at Elon Musk to see he doesn't seem to have any problem reproducing. Um, I think that uh, <laughs> uh, certainly I think my... My father was uh, autistic and, and had me and my grandfather. And uh, as far as I can tell, um, it goes back probably quite a few generations. Uh, there's a strong heritability. So 
So is the message outside? Because, you know, our advice outside to, to people, because people that we know are listening are not just people who are startups. They are, are would-be startups and they are parents of startups. Uh, and this whole label, you know, and your story should, and sometimes people are very, very careful to protect their children with a label. But yet they shouldn't be so scared and they shouldn't stop people moving forward. Is Is that good advice or not? not relevant. Ultimately, most of us will pursue that which we're compelled to pursue, whether it's a good idea or not. Okay. And perhaps the best things we can have in life are advocates who simply never tell us we have limitations. Right. I don't know if I would say that parents shouldn't be worried because statistically speaking, there are many reasons to be concerned. And yet, isn't that true for any parent of any child today? Yes. I I think uh, I didn't grow up in a world in which I woke up every morning being afraid of school shootings. Right. So I think... There are more tools today available because of a number of brilliant technologies. And these technologies, these methodologies, and the research in these areas is making it possible for the superpowers that come with autism and ADHD and many other types of challenges that through other lenses could be harnessed to power solutions. Right. So I, I, I think that is really a, a great advice or comments or thoughts for people out there who themselves have a label or who are not just autism but anything. And you are right. I mean, if you look at people in history, you know, that have done some amazing things, they all sometimes have something a little bit out of the ordinary. Mm. And I think being, would you agree, Fernando, being a, a startup is not for the ordinary, is it? I like to think so, but at oh, the same well. time, I also don't want to say that, you know, what we think of, uh, I don't know, I wouldn't like to label someone ordinary until you put in the time to help them discover what makes them extraordinary. What advice have you got for people out there who are are thinking, what do you think the three things that people who are considering uh, a startup or started a startup and perhaps struggling, what three things would you advise that they need to really consider? So the first one, which I tell most of the entrepreneurs is focus on solving a problem that is big and is real and very, very meaningful to someone. It is not as easy as you think to figure out a big, big problem. But once you understand the big problem and you get really excited about solving a big problem, to be honest, you're going to have, you're not going to have enough lives to solve that problem. Right. Let's talk about health problems, uh, no mental health problems or problems like cancer, diabetes. I think it's going to take many generations to solve those problems. So if the problem is big enough, 
I think that gives more meaning to what you're trying to do. Well, that's the first one. You speak a very big problem where you're going to have a long career doing it. The second one is community because it's a very, very lonely process. Being an entrepreneur is extremely lonely. And you would be surprised that there are more people out there that feel equally lonely. And you need to start talking to people, uh, just commenting on what you're doing, trying to get connected. This is where access is a complicated thing. I wish that more entrepreneurs had more access to resources. You can go to Google, but Google is not really a community. It gives you just a whole bunch of information. You need to find the community. This is what the personal touch really is very important. And the third thing, once you have those two, is I think you need to be surrounded with people that do the work with you. Because it's easy to motivate someone. and It's easy to say, oh, it's a good idea or it's a bad idea. You know, moments are fleeting and it's very easy to just have some comment in that moment. But it is just a very long process where there's going to be a lot of up and downs. It's going to be a roller coaster of emotions. And you definitely need to be with someone that says, you know what, I'm willing to go through that journey with you, right. particularly in the, on the low points. Right. And so if you got those three things, big problem, then the second one is you're able to connect to a community. And then in that community, you find someone that can go to ups and downs. I think you have a good starting point. But when you talk about community, if you're going in, in not, again, not all our audience is, is at universities and nor do, we're interested to hear from everybody, a whole spectrum of them. Just moving out of that sort of environment, you're at home, you've got a great idea. Let's say Uber is your idea at home. Uh, and that's just your idea and you've got a great idea. How do you sort of find somebody? What can they do? People who are not got the support that something, you know, like a, a college or university, business schools, whatever, offer. How, any, what advice have you got? How can they, and again, uh, yes, any ideas from you that you're at home, you didn't go to those universities, you didn't go, you know, and have that support. What would you have done? How could you have moved forward? Well, I'm an extraordinarily privileged person, so it's, challenging for me to extract myself from my own sure. historical narrative. I have two Ivy League credentials and uh, a tremendous history of support. Um, so for someone who begins without all of those opportunities, um, who isn't born a white person, who isn't born in in a the United States or in a wealthy country I should imagine it should feel utterly daunting I might only extrapolate two or three small points from my own experience uh, which I might hope to be useful I have sought to be and have always felt with my collaborators and my colleagues and most excitingly, my co-founders and my scientific advisors, science advisory board, I want to be the dumbest, least capable person in the room. Right. So surround yourself with advisors. Surround yourself. And, uh, And I think it's fair to say is that 
actually people like to help people. I am amazed at the amount of help that if you ask, I think it's about asking, isn't it? If you ask somebody, you know, who's a bank manager, ring up the bank manager and say, I want to be a startup uh, and I don't know what to do. You know, many uh, of banks or accountants will give people advice. So I, I think that it is about asking, asking for help. And I think people respond to that. So again, looking to people, the wider audience of people. If if you're not there, make a list of subjects that you want to help on and just go and ask them if they'll help. Is that a sensible suggestion? Or that, is, that is sensible. And uh, I, I agree with Jazz that for someone that just grew up in a different country that yes. doesn't have these resources can seem very complicated. Luckily, now the world has a lot of tools that allow you to connect online. Yes. I get a lot of messages from LinkedIn from people that I don't know. Right. And they write me, look, I have this idea. I don't know how to get started. Can you give me 15 minutes of your time? And I often say yes, of course. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think if the message is I... I want to create something that helps people and I need some advice. I think people give you time. The other thing is I want to help you and solve a problem that you have. People would give you more than 15 minutes. I think that's a beautiful thing about finding big problems is that we all have problems and we tend to really like to talk about our problems. So if you tell someone, I honestly want to help you, I think I have a good angle, but I want to understand what the problem is. Most people would say yes. And there's a whole methodology here that we use in the, in the United States to to teach scientists how to reach people that way. Say, I have some knowledge, I can solve a problem for you. But I think in general, just try to do that and you'll find that more than you think, there are people that are willing to, to give you some time to connect with you, to give you some guidance. I personally do that a lot with people from Latin America, which is where I come from, because I want to help them. And I know that there's difficulties in access. Uh, I do it also with people in Europe, uh, which I get to meet a lot here in the US. So I think that we all, if we're entrepreneurs, we understand. Uh, And I I think I can reinforce that. I didn't think of the LinkedIn route. I think that's brilliant idea. So you look for somebody in a special, you know, in an industry that you may be interested in and contact them and say, I'm a startup. I'm, you know, wanted to do these things. You know, um, please, could you give me some advice? And and that really is, I've actually not thought of directing people to social media in in such a way. So, you know, hope people take that on board. Well, well, you know, listening today about using that, that's really great. And again, people really love to help. I know in this world at the moment, it doesn't seem like it, but I think they generally, from my experience of what help people are giving, it, they do really like to help. It makes them feel good as well. And as you said, it helps, in actual fact, solve sometimes a problem if you're talking about something that's an issue relating to them. And I would just add to that, really just reinforcing that when you get to meet entrepreneurs, most entrepreneurs are very generous with their time and very eager to talk to other people. Yourself, you build multinational, multi-million dollar companies, you could be on a beach just hanging out and not doing anything. You're here helping people reach out with something that they can see online for free. 
That's yeah. wonderful. And that's what we need to think yeah. is there are more people out there that want to help yeah. you. So don't be shy. Maybe you know, everybody's busy, so maybe the first message is not there, maybe the second message, but you'll you'll find those people that can give you time. Yeah, and, and to be quite honest, I think I need that as much as they need you know, me. I get a lot of feedback and a lot of great uh, satisfaction. So go and ask, go and find out, think about it, you out there. Don't be on your own just suffering. One of the things that I'm very impressed with you is how you've actually been able to attract so many great people. What's your secret? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I That's not good enough. <laughs> well, unfortunately, that's the truth. I am so very passionate about what I've been doing that um, I have pursued it with a a singular desire. I had been scratching away at this already for years by the point at which I talked to Fernando and I said, Fernando, do you think if I tried to use these algorithms and apply them to mental health in a software, is that a good idea? Do you think I could do that? And I had already had a lot of funding from nonprofit organizations by that point. And I was at Columbia and, and had, uh, had had some success as a, as a musician and a songwriter. So when Fernando said, okay, you should try. I had already determined, I think quite doggedly that I was going to try, but his, his nudge really helped me to solidify my desire to do this. And if I didn't have all of the resources that I do, it would be very difficult to have pursued this so doggedly because it's not easy. It's yeah. really not easy. Okay, that's a good message. Now I've got something on. And my co-founders are, the big difference is my co-founders are, we were talking earlier about finding people who are better than you. So Jim Anderson was the co-founder of about.com and was them um, num- number six at Spotify. Yeah. Um, he's the inventor and the architect. And you recruited of- him. <laughs> I did, isn't that bonkers? Yeah. And so how do, how did we do that? <laughs> well, he joined after Peter Blumen, who has 40 plus years of experience on Broadway. Sorry, Broadway. Why did I say that? <laughs> Managing billions of dollars on Wall Street. And this is... Wall Street and Broadway are the kind of same, Ooh, same right? sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> I already knew Peter from Cornell, so that was wonderful. And um, Wade McCullum, who's a Broadway star and a very gifted composer, musician, actor, singer, um, and UPenn neuroscientist, he's like my brother. We've been close for a good length of time. We're very close. And Peter and I had a relationship as friends, and he was my mentor, before we started doing this together. So when Fernando says you need to find people who are with you through the bad times, I feel as though I've been very fortunate to have a familial relationship with anyone, everyone who's part of our company. We adore each other. I would do anything for my co-founders. They're wonderful, wonderful people, but I didn't find them immediately. I had, I had to, ask Peter maybe 12 times 
are you sure you don't want to just try this? And Peter's a, you know, had a job as a, as a, as a, as a managing director. So that tenacity, that, that chasing people, asking them has paid off. Can I talk about business model, for example? Mm. And this is my lack of knowledge, of course. That's why you're here to help us. Is that, (laughs) is that where, where people have, a lot of people talk about seeing the therapist or going to the therapist or you, let them uh, listen to music. That was pre-COVID. Now post-COVID, a lot of the delivery of therapy is done online. Is there a way that, again, because you can play music online, is are, are you using that? Is that a possibility? Do you use that? What methodology do you use to deliver the the service, if you like, the the the? Um... Are you asking if we integrate into telemedicine companies? No. Oh, because we do that. (laughs) that, Tell us that then. Tell tell us about that. That's interesting. Well, I mean, as a as a B two B product that is formulated as an API, we are able to integrate into many other types of products. And talk therapy has been validated uh, time and time again. Whether the modality is. DBT, CBT, um, metacognitive therapy. There are many different types of modalities and methodologies that have been well validated to effectively help individuals work through their emotional challenges, behavioral challenges. And technology has made it more accessible. It has removed barriers. Uh, There's simply also at the same time are not enough available qualified professionals. So many people will have to wait to find a person who can provide. Uh, Anyone who's listening, Talkspace is an extraordinary company. Better Better Health, sorry, is also a wonderful company. Why, Why are they wonderful companies out of interest? Because they're providing very needed mental health talk therapy solutions at relatively reasonable price points at scale. Okay. And what would your connection be with them moving forward? Hopefully, or now, but moving forward, how would you connect to them? Well, and make money. Well, as a B2B service, uh, we're able to amplify the effect that another product is delivering. If you're receiving talk therapy, you're receiving a benefit whilst you are in the presence of the therapist who is working with you, the psychologist, the psychiatrist, the licensed mental health counselor, the social worker. When you are by yourself, those challenges can persist. And so the ability to have something 24-7 on demand as needed contextually to address a panic attack to address a lack of motivation for fitness and exercise, to address a noisy room in which one needs to drown out uh, loud, obnoxious yeah. musical sounds. I mean, it really is exciting what you're doing, isn't it? Well, the, the, I feel excited. I, yeah, I've, I've I think, spent an awful well, lot of time on yeah, it, so I, I better I think, be. I think why I'm s- s- sounding more excited it just seems to be sound more accessible than I could kind of really imagine how it was delivered. So it I seems, hope so. yeah. So it's that, just that. yeah through apps. Yeah, 
it it needs to be it needs to be very easy. The lowest friction is the best. Right. Great. Okay. So I'm actually going to change the subject a little bit, Fernando, and then I'm going to ask both both of you. Again, um, you're you're the this Mr. Startup, Professor Startup. Yeah, That's an interesting say, title. Yeah, yeah, Dr. Yeah, professor. Yeah, yeah. Dr. Professor yeah, Stark. Dr. Professor Stark. <laughs> no, now I got too long. Yeah. But Fernando of, is fine. One of the things is that, that, that I have noticed working with startups um, is the mental health issues that they're dealing with. So I had a look online about advice on mental health issues for startups. For startups, this is actually for startups. There's 76 million. 76 million pieces of advice on it. So it is a huge, huge, important point. And again, for our our audience at home, working by themselves or wherever, or at colleges and working with other people, what, what can you tell us that you, that any advice about how, first of all, how you deal with it from your point of view? And this is a big, big, uh, question to ask you and I'd like you to think about it also because you've been a lone ranger you've been somebody out there whatever support you've had you're still you know on your own until not now but how any advice for people who are suffering at the moment from real anguish I I, I want to say that it it is I think any way that you put it is a very complicated journey and anyone that tells you that an entrepreneurship is easy, is an immediate thing, you're going to get a billion-dollar company in two months, yeah. is lying to you. That doesn't happen. Even if you have a lot of good support, which I'm obviously very um, grateful that I had, a wonderful, loving family that always supported me, but I've always had these crazy ideas yes. of uh, of the things that I wanted to do, which were not normal with like a normal career path. Should I become an engineer, be an executive at a company? And I just, in my brain, I wanted to do something different. So I think the first thing is, you know, when you when you have a different idea, you're going to get a lot of people that don't really understand that idea. And that can really mess up with your mental health. That doesn't mean that it's a bad idea, that there's no reason why someone needs to perfectly understand something that is brand new. We don't. And especially, right? family, especially family members who may be actually financing you. Yes, exactly. Yes. Well, they're financing yes. you then. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's, uh, I mean, that's good or, <laughs> or, or bad, depending how the business is going. Mm-hmm. But my, my point there is don't expect people to immediately understand what you're doing because it's new. That's the whole point. It's brand new, it's novel, it's a difficult thing to do. So people, I I tend to tell myself it's a normal reaction that someone would have to say, I don't understand how this works initially. If, If it was done already, then everybody would understand it. So that, I think, helps me a lot with mental health initially is the idea that I'm having it's so unique and revolutionary that it will be confusing for people. Okay. Right? I, I do need to work on it so that with time it gets to be less confusing and now it becomes clearer. But I think if you have that thought process, um, then immediately you take a lot of weight uh, out of the idea that if you put if you put your thoughts out there, everybody should be very excited and very okay with it. Uh, they won't be. And that's fine. 
right? Everything that is complicated is, is worth doing, right? So, so that's the first thing that I tell myself. Don't worry too much about that. Just continue on that road. The second one is find people that when you're through this journey are going to help you in the low points. It's very easy to be with someone where you're on the high points. How do, you, how do you find away. that? How, how do they find those people? A lot of trial and error, to be honest. And, uh, and, and sometimes you're going to find people that at that moment really help you. Sometimes they leave. You know, everybody does different things. But you need to be a, 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 little, a, a little social. You need to be social. Coming from someone that is introverted is very difficult. Yes. And when I was in college, I remember having anxiety attacks of going through, uh, going and saying hi to a group of people that I already knew, which is crazy, right? I already knew them and I was having that anxiety yeah. attack. But it did click something in my mind that in order for me to be successful, in order for me to build what I needed to build, I do need to make that effort in connecting to people yeah. and talking to them and getting that advice. And again, when you're building something, it takes a while. The The fun times are very fun and everything is yeah. well. Everybody's happy. But are the, those moments in times where you don't have funding, where you, things are not working, where the customer told you no, where you know, things are really not going that well, that you find the people that are willing to kind of go along with you. And it's just a lot of trial and error and again, just being being social, but at the same time, trying to find good people that, that surround you. Uh, and so really finding those people that are going through go with you on the on the low ends of things and that are just willing to work with you. And, and to me, that's kind of my love language to entrepreneurs is doing the work is um, I, I think. You can do a lot of affirmation of what they're doing. You can tell them, well, you're wonderful. You have wonderful knowledge. You have all of that. But if you don't do the work, then it's just not going to take you anywhere. So that that's really, um, I, I tend to really value the people that are with me when things get really, really rough. Right. Even if we fight, because we're going to fight. Yeah. <laughs> and that's normal, right? Yeah. But if they go through you with the with the with the worst times. And then maybe one last thing that I would say is we as entrepreneurs and maybe people are perfectionists, like things to be well, and we're so hard on ourselves. So hard. Yeah. No one is harder on yourself than you. <laughs> right. Yeah. And and I tend to think and and so I tell myself the words of affirmation of don't don't be so bad to yourself. Don't be so hard. First off, what you're doing is novel. So no one knows how to do it. Right. So a lot of people give you advice, but no one knows how to do it. That's the whole point. It's new. I mean, and so I, I, there's no good way of doing it. I think that that really helps me. Maybe that's one great advice that I tell myself is there's no good way of doing something new because no one has done okay. it. So there's just a way of doing it. You're there trying to figure it out. So don't think of like, I'm doing it wrong. I'm doing it right. You're doing it. Yeah. And that, 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 that's where they panic. How yeah. did you cope in these early times when, you know, it wasn't so? How did you, did you have those, those difficulties, panic attacks about it that you, nobody, you know, the, you're not coping? Did you? I 
I'd like to make sure that in this moment we we talk about some resources, if that's okay. Yes, no, that would be very it's that that would be very helpful. So there are crisis hotlines right. that have now been made available for mental health emergencies, and those are free services that are supported by government initiatives. So look up the emergency mental health hotline. You can call that any time of day, and you will get a human who is trained on the other end to give you support. And it won't cost. It won't cost a thing. That's very interesting. So we we have a, um, a newsletter that goes out every other week, and thank you for that. We'll put that on our newsletter, you know, and we'll put that that number on as well. So hopefully that that could be especially for the people in America. Obviously, in other countries, and people are listening, then then. We can't do that at the moment. We'll try and also look and advise that. That's a, a really good piece piece of advice. There's a misnomer that has been prevalent for generations that there is a dichotomy between brain and body, emotion and body, biology and mental health. If one was physically sick would one attend to that need? The brain is a part of your physical being. And if you neglect it, you will lose everything. You have to put that at the center, mental health and emotional hygiene, sleep hygiene. These things have to be part of a healthy routine because the safety nets that come with having regular insurance and normal working hours and a reliable income all disappear. So if you don't have a large nest egg in the bank and you're not married with a partner who loves you <laughs> and you haven't got 10 to 15 years of corporate academia or otherwise industrial experience, really ask yourself, am I prepared? Should I do this? You have to have the skin of a rhino and the brilliance of an incandescent insect. If you can do anything else, do it. Okay, so let me just clarify that because I think I personally think that's very needed advice, you know, is that you really, really have to interview yourself almost, haven't you? You've really, it's worth interviewing yourself and saying, are you able to go through all this process? Do I think this is glamorous? If I think this is glamorous and I want to wear a hoodie and talk about being part of a startup, that might be fun for six months. Yeah. And I think, I, I do think that that for, for people these days, they are under pressure. If you say I'm working in the store as a, and I've just been promoted to the manager of the menswear department, that's one thing. But you're not, not so impressive. But if you say with your hoodie on or not on, that I, oh, I, I've actually got a startup, then people are very impressed. I think that's a big pressure actually on younger people today. Being a startup is cool. You know, you could be the next, you know, the next uh, billionaire. Or you could join a graveyard of other people who never went anywhere with it. Absolutely. And so, land in debt. So on that very serious note, mm -hmm. please look out for our, our 
bulletin that's coming out, our newsletter that gives you some of the key points today. And we wish all of you a very, and I will remind you again that the word irresistible means too tempting and too attractive to resist. And you should be thinking about all your ideas, how you work with people. Are they irresistible? And I look forward to talking to you with our wonderful guests in the near future. Have a great Irresistible Day. Thank you for tuning in to The Irresistible Entrepreneur. We hope you've enjoyed hearing from our fantastic guests and found our conversation thought-provoking. 